Hi everyone, this is Kishore Chandra, and we are here for chit chat every night, uh, mostly every night um, at 6 p.m. I had to take yesterday off, so please do forgive me for that. Um, and we'll get started in just a moment. Jai Jagannath is here. Wonderful. Okay. Let's see. I think I'm looking at this verse. Hey, Jai. Hi, What's up? Uh, nice haircut for your photo shoot yesterday, huh? <laughs> it was the only time that I could make it work, so I had to pause everyone. Please forgive me. <laughs> But, um, you know, I had a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, had to, I had to get that good light, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Krishna. So much talk on Chit Chat about presenting. <laughs> wow. Wow, getting called out. <laughs> Other time we were on Chit Chat, Shyam was like, Mm -hmm. You can give up those AirPods or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> nice. Oh, Krishna. Do you remember where we I do. off? I, yeah. I do, because I took a note. Um, I wanted to... This is not related to the topic we want to talk about today, but um, I'm about to start reading a, a book called The Content of Our Character by Shelby Still, who's like an old black, he probably would be considered far-right conservative or something like that. Anyway, I stumbled upon the book through some sources and mm. the the um, title of the book caught my attention because um, I guess because just the, the, the circumstances of current events, COVID and BLM and all these things, I mean, they've weighed on my heart, obviously, mm. a little bit. A little bit more than um, I would like them to, or I'm a little bit taken aback even how much they've weighed on me because usually I don't care about any of these sorts of issues. Like, I just don't. But, um, and I'm often reminded, or I, I, I've been curious during these times to wonder how Martin Luther King Jr. would be received with the modern sort of emphasis on identity politics would he be received in the same way? Like, you know, his have a, I have a dream sort of um, message where one day I have a dream where one day little boy, black boys and girls would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. I really wonder how that sort of message would be received today sometimes. Anyway, uh, so the, for this reason, the... The title, content of his character, con uh, the content of our character really caught my attention. Because um, anyway, I just wanted to share this one thing that I'm reading from the introduction or the sort of the foreword of the book that had me kind of grave. Um, one of the least noted facts in this, this book was written in 1990, but it's extremely relevant to the modern situation for obvious reasons. So it, there's a statement here. One of the least noted facts in this era when racial, ethnic, and gender differences are often embraced as sacred, is that being black or a woman or gay or whatever it is, is in, in no way spares one from being human. Mm. Whatever I do or think as a black, uh, yeah, as a black, <laughs> can never be more than a variant of what all people do and think. Mm. Some of my life experiences may be different from those of other races, but there's nothing different or special in the psychological processes that drive my mind. Mm. So in this book, I have tried to search out the human universals that explain the racial specifics. And I love that. Yeah, that last line. Yeah, the last line is, so um, in this book, I've tried to search out the human universals that explain the racial specifics. Mm. And I guess when it comes to modern conversations surrounding, you know, whatever issues, yeah, the, the human, I feel like the human frailty point gets lost so much. For example, 
Sorry to hijack what we really want to talk about with this, but <laughs> just for example, like the whole George Floyd thing when it like exploded onto um, the uh, national conversation, it, it seemed like the only way we were allowed to view that was through a racial lens. Mm. And I remember myself posing the question, why is it, how do we know it was race that motivated it and not just like power? I'm in a position of power and those on the power end of a power relationship exploit those with less power. Mm -hmm. Like that's very human. Mm -hmm. That's something that I can see myself um, falling victim to. It's something that many of the stories that we enjoy watching on Netflix or in cinema speak about people Mm -hmm. gaining power and exploiting those with less power. How come, you know, why is that not primary in, you know, the police officers' intentions, mm. which is like a very normal human frailty that is, you know, could be easily understood as being the case. Mm. But it seemed like we weren't really allowed to emphasize that over the racial lens, for example. And, um, and I think, in, 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 on a, as another example, when it comes to, um, like, the, the protests that were going on and so on, there was sort of like this tendency to, I feel, I'm gonna use this word, apotheotize. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right. Um, but apotheosis means to basically esteem someone to the position of a god or like a god-like entity. And I think apotheotize, that's not the... Uh, I, <laughs> I'm just cross-checking you. <laughs> Um, I noticed that there was a tendency to like uh, amongst, I would say, the lay persons. I knew well, it. Apotheosize. Apotheosize. Okay, so I was close. <laughs> um, I noticed that there was a tendency amongst what I would say the lay man, which is the vast majority of the populace, who were probably not really concerned about this issue before it came into the national landscape. Mm-hmm. There, there was a tendency to sort of apotheosize the, let's say, black demographic, mm-hmm. you know, kind of elevate the black demographic as a whole mm-hmm. to a sort of position of a deity of sorts mm-hmm. in, the, in the sense that they could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and I remember talking, I had a, a conversation with a friend, uh, a, um, a black friend. All, of, all I was talking to all my black friends in that first two weeks of this whole George Floyd thing. Um, we were all they were all we were all calling each other, and I remember talking to one of my black friends for a long time, probably like two hours, which was really intense for me um, on the phone because we don't do that anymore in 2020. But anyway, we were talking for two hours, and I remember bringing up how so many so-called protesters or they were people who were like maybe co-opting the protest but they were you know looting and pillaging and doing all these horrible things and instead of saying like yeah that was bs it was like well so many excuses were given for them and i i just found that so astonishing at the time and Mm -hmm. so it was like this this sense of the apotheosizing the sort of black demographic during this sensitive time period Mm. And therefore, they could do no wrong. And then the sort of just like human aspect of being of the demographic, like, wait, wait a minute, they're humans. They also suffer from human frailty, Mm. like anger. And therefore, in anger, maybe they're crossing lines and Mm. entering to the realm of impropriety also Mm. because they're human. Or I'll give another example outside of the racial thing. I I brought this up the other day with, with the whole Me Too movement and like... Um, there was this, it was, I were, it was for a few months, there was this whole hashtag that got, that blew up like me too, called like, just believe women. Yeah. And the only reason I had become aware of it because some of our devotee girls, they were posting stuff like, and I, I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and, you know, I remember, yeah, so that was, that was a thing for a, a, a stint. And I remember being like really shocked. Like, I'm like, just believe I'm like, but what about the fact that they're humans? Mm and that they lie also. And it was like, well, why would they lie about something like that? I'm like, uh, I could think of a whole bunch of good reasons why, I, you know, 
as a human suffering from certain frailties, I might lie about something like that. If I could see it giving me certain privileges or mm -hmm. money or, mm -hmm. or status, or there's so many reasons why a person could lie. I mean, mm -hmm. we're human after all. So, um, so anyway, I'm giving all, those are just examples to say how, and where, where identity, especially certain identities are viewed as sacred, that we are, we kind of lose sight that, wait a minute, we're dealing with humans here. Mm, yeah. and, and human frailty and shortcoming more or less manifest in a uniform way across all demographics. That's why when you hear stories from any, well, I would suggest that's why when you hear stories from any tradition, no matter where you come from, you can relate to it because the same sort of themes come up for all humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think... Um, who was that Carl Jung, he would say this was the collective unconscious. And so these sort of universal things come up for all humans. Um, yeah. And that's why we can relate in all ways. But that part kind of gets like obscured. And mm -hmm. yeah, this sort of apotheosizing starts to take place. And mm -hmm. so I'm just really this statement of this forward or introduction of this book that I'm hoping to look at um, a little bit, at least, uh, really just spoke to me like, wait a minute, you know, we have to remember that we're humans and we have to search out the human universals that explain the racial specifics. And mm -hmm. for him, that's the important aspect of the book. I just found that alone because this book was written in 1990, but it's still relevant today. I just found it so refreshing mm -hmm. that, yeah, we have to put back in the foreground the nature of, yeah, the, put back in the foreground the nature of humanity, like the, the, the characteristic of human nature. And I feel like when you're reading a book like Gita, Srimad Bhattam a little bit different, but especially a book like Gita, you, you're, Krishna's talking about the nature of the conditioned human mm. and how to be free from that conditioning. And so it remains ever relevant because of that. But if you were to ask like Krishna to talk about the problem in terms of racial specifics, then one might not be finding the Gita so relevant. But when you're talking about the nature of humans who are conditioned by material, dead material bodies and so on, that immediately the, the Gita becomes immediately relevant mm. in explaining that. And I realized that my inability to make Gita relevant in certain conversations where passions are running higher around issues of race or gender or sexuality or whatever is because that human side is being kind of uh, obfuscated from the picture. Mm. And but because because precisely because once you bring back the human side, the things start to make a whole lot more sense what's going on because mm -hmm. you got like human nature and it's playing out in this specific story of this individual in this particular way and so on. Anyway, so I'm sorry to hijack that. No, I have one introduction. But. It was super good and and I'm glad because I was thinking about so many things while you were speaking. Um, I think that apotheosis is just not great in general um, because we are lifting, whether it be a group of people or a single person, you know, like whether it be because of race or because of what's hot right now or like celebrity or whatever, lifting them up to a position of God. And so that is a big mistake as, <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm lifting someone up to God and I'm, you know, wanting to be a spiritual person. If I'm wanting to have a spiritual life and be a spiritual person, but I'm either unconsciously or consciously, you know, lifting up someone to the position of God, whether, the and I, I might know it and I might not know it. It's like, you're in for a world of trouble, you know? <laughs> you're gonna get right. this, you're gonna realize, because that's the thing that I thought when you were speaking, that ideology, ideology is such a, it's such a, it can be very vicious because ideology can feel very like ideal, you know? It's like all lofty, beautiful words, beautiful ideas. Like it sounds like it should make sense. And then you bring in the human aspect, which is, you know, and many times we divorce that from ideology in our mind because it's like, you know, it's the, the realm of thoughts and vision. It, it could be like this. And, you know, like very, very, you know, high high vision of what, what it could be like. And then you bring in the human element of individuals who perhaps haven't done the work in themselves and they're right. 
lacking in so many different areas. And this is for everyone, you know, whatever political side you're on, whatever race you might be, whatever sexual orientation you might be. So then you meet that human aspect, you know, whether it be through a conflict or you find something out about the person or a group or whoever, and you're just like disappointed, you know, right? disappointed, you lose faith in people and in life. And, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great. And I also, when I, when you were speaking, I was really thinking about like, it's, it's, you know, when, when the majority of society is not god conscious or they're be they've been so pushed to secularization obviously what's happening as we can see is that you begin the process of apotheosis okay i've taken the god factor out right gotta put something there you know i gotta put something to look up to i gotta put something to kind of like be that you know mountaintop that i'm gonna climb that i'm gonna get there like this or whatever right. And it becomes very difficult. And I was reading, I was reading this. Oh, and when, before I go to this verse, one thing I was also thinking was this verse, this, you know, Jivo Jivasya Jivanam, that one living entity becomes food for another in the material world. And it's just like, that's where ideology, and you know, I, I had this question while I was, while you were speaking, like, do we truly believe in Kali Yuga that we <laughs> like an equitable, you know, roses and daisies, like just walking on clouds kind of world, you know? And it's like, that's not, at least that's not what scripture is telling us, you know? Scripture is telling us that like, we live in the age of quarrel and hypocrisy. This is what it is. We have a lot more left to go of this. And our <laughs> and our only like, you know, recourse and solace is to take shelter of Krishna and Bhagavatam and Krishna's names and Kirtan and practicing God consciousness and sharing that with others. And so it's, it, I think it, it just becomes this game that when I'm not wanting to accept that, when I'm not wanting to accept like, hey, this is Kali Yuga. Okay, I'm going to do what I can, but you know, whatever. Because what I see a lot of in this whole like, you know, the race stuff and BLM and like, COVID or whatever, it's like all these relative quote unquote truths, which we've spoken about at length and chit chat, all these different people being like, no, my relative truth is right. No, my relative truth is going to get us to equity. No, my relative truth is going to get us to, you know, success or my relative truth, my relative truth, my relative truth. And it's just a bunch of, like, bah, 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 bah. you know, it's a lot of that going on. Yes. And, and we, and we play into it. You know, I feel naturally. I feel myself like getting, what's that word? Overwhelmed, flustered. When I'm <laughs> and, you know, I remember a, a Prabhu, we were at the Harinam Kirtan that we did at Washington Square Park. And he said something, we did, uh, we did like reflections at the end because um, one of our God sisters, she's like encouraged it. And it was actually quite nice. And so he was just like, so simple. And he's saying, he's just like, you know, this is what we do. This is, this is nourishment for us. This is our food. And he's like, and if we don't eat, then we starve. And we're going to, you know, think that we can eat other things and it's not going to go well. And like, when he said that, I was just like, yes, 100%. Like, Harinam Sankirtan, reading Shastra, all of this is our nourishment. And the yes. less I'm nourished with that, the more and more I'm going to be like, this political party, no, this political party, no, this race, no, that race, no, whatever. And it's like, you know, that's a question. I'm sorry, I'm going for a long time too. That's a question that... I a lot too because i have a social justice flair and like i was a social worker and it had it had many different effects on me in very different ways and like my family comes from like you know ecuador and i was brought up with like a a very i, I wrote about this recently i was brought up with a very anti-american narrative you know because my family was always very like United States and like you know they put dictators in our countries and they screwed up our economy and like blah 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 so I was like always a very confused child I was like am I married like no English in the house I was like but, we're <laughs> but um you know I think it just becomes a matter of not being able to you know what what this person is saying that you you that line again right like looking for universal the human universals that explain the racial specifics because because the point that i was going to make 
about that specific line that he's saying is that in, at any point in history, it will be a different group of people that are being subjugated and a different group of people that are subjugated. And that is both sad and the reality of our human lack and our flaws. And it's very, it, okay, I'll end with this. It's like we, by apotheosizing a group of people or you know a person or whatever, I am taking the responsibility off of myself to do the work that I have to do for like me and my immediate, you know, or become spiritual or become, you know, self-reformed or transform my heart so that I'm not filled with lust and anger and envy and greed and hate. So when I apotheosize a group of people or someone, it really puts me off the hook, you know, because I'm just like, yay, they, they, you know, they, clamor, they. And me, it's like, you know, whatever. I'm just, I'm going to put the hashtag. I'm going to show my support. I'm going to do whatever it is that I got to do. And this is why it's so confusing. You know, it's so effing, I'm sorry for my life. It's so effing confusing because in one way, you do want to show your support. And you're just like, yeah, you know, whatever. The, 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 the gays or the this or the, the, you know, black people, people of color. Like, yes, it does make sense should be treated in some kind of way you know fair whatever that word means maybe not like full-blown equity because that as we've seen can be like ideology and illusion but like there should be something across the board that's like okay you get this thing maybe you will also get this thing maybe however okay i'll end with this because i've been going on for a long time however when we don't see that happening instead of like blaming, maybe blame's not the right word, instead of doing internal kind of look inward of like, how have I contributed to this? It's more of like, let me join a movement or like use my, okay, I'm, I'm about to get really angry. This whole thing about using your voice thing, I gotta use my voice. Silence means violence and silence means ignorance and all of this stuff. I'm just like, so you posting a bunch of, crap on social media all of a sudden means that you're a savior and that you know what's best for society you know and it makes me really upset when i see those kinds of things because i do believe that there is work to be done in sociology and social equity in like you know protest movements and whatever however like we have to be very well informed and the fact of the matter is that the majority of people are not well informed the majority are like oh repost Oh, meme, ha, ha oh, po, po, po. you know, that, that's the majority of people. And, and it's confusing. It's confronting. And I think, yeah, go for it. Please. Yeah. I'm just, whew. I think, I think you've made a lot of several really, really important points. Uh, the first of which is when we apotheosize the other, whoever that other is, then we take, there's a tendency at least to remove personal responsibility for our own need to rise to God-like status, mm. not to the status of God, but at least to God-like status, as we kind of live vicariously to those we apotheosize. You know, one, one of the big problems with celebrity culture, um, which exists even in ISKCON in a certain sense, the Kirtan, <laughs> there's a little bit of a celebrity culture there also. One of the problems with celebrity culture is that we, um, attempt inadvertently because I think I tend to think it's unconscious we tend to inadvertently live vicariously through those that we are esteeming to that position and for that very reason we take we remove personal responsibility from our own need to rise to that to that godlike status um, on the at the same time we also because this is a culture we become enablers which is a word I'm becoming more familiar with these days. Um, it's kind of like a, it's like kind of like a weird codependent relationship mm. between those we apotheosize and ourselves. So we're kind of like enabling them to really be degraded in a sense because they're not God, but they're kind of taking that status on the one hand, and they're enabling us to do that by not telling us to chill the f out. <laughs> 
and you rise to the occasion as an individual. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like this weird codependent relationship where we're enabling one another in our own degradation. Um, codependency is a, a, a term that I'm only recently becoming more familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, I think another issue that is coming up and hearing you speak is that we've, we don't have leaders anymore. We have influencers. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a big problem with modern movements today. Like, you know, one of the first things I was asking when, particularly when BLM like broke out, I was like, who is leading this thing? Dude, it's like a, it's like a donkey with the head missing, you know, or a chicken with the head missing is going all over the place. I'm like, where are the leaders? Um, and nowadays people are, and now to be a leader in the real sense requires tremendous sacrifice. Mm. And to be real, to be a leader requires a sort of, a sort of emphasis on seeing the human universals mm. and how, what are the principles that need to be applied for humans to be elevated. That's required to be a leader. He's kind of got to sacrifice the vision of just his own, looking at his own group or own demographics. So this, at least this was the standard of the old leaders that mm. we hear from in scripture. Um, I'm thinking immediately of First Council chapter 8, verse 42. Sneham Pashami Mam Chindi. Where Queen Kunti is saying, please cut the rope of affection, mm. the very strong rope of affection to my family. And Prabhupada's writing that the reason for this is so that you can have a vision of the greater family and see the greater good for the greater family. Mm. Um, that's required of a leader, whereas an influencer is a brand yes it's a it's a, just a brand that is used to convince the um enable the enablers who are apotheosizing them to consume their product yes. so you know the person the influencer is generally not looked at as an influ as a person really he's a brand and the people are not humans who need to look to leaders for gaining understanding for their own elevation but they're consumers that are meant to consume the brand um, and that way get a little bit of a dopamine hit, a little bit of a pleasure spike from, you know, following the religion of the age where you just like something or you glorify, you know, the God of the times and so on. So all of this, of course, together, this sort of weird codependent relationship mm. leads to the universal degradation of everyone. Mm. So then the real need of the modern world, well, which is always the real need, aside from just the general turn to God consciousness, which mm. is, by the way, why Prabhupada named his magazine Back to Godhead. It, when, when Prabhupada was talking about going back to Godhead, he wasn't talking about going to the spiritual world. He was mm. talking about a culture that had become so removed from general religious and God consciousness that they need to return to that mm. if they want to circumvent the perils of um war and etc so aside from that being like the general problem there's a general overall problem of just a lack of proper leaders yes and the the promote what we see are we don't see leaders promoted anymore we see influencers promoted and and then you have their what's the word i'm looking for their acolytes Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's the proper, appropriate word. The acolytes who are coming in the millions, yes. fo following them. And in this way, this codependent relationship it takes place that degrades everyone. Mm. I was, um, I was reading, you, you, you brought up Srila Prabhupada and I was re reading a purport that I really liked. And, and also like when I read this purport, it's from Chaitanya Charitamrita. Also, when I was reading this purport, I was really thinking about what you said two chit-chats ago when you were like, people don't want the solution, you know? And that's what we were supposed to talk about today. That's what we were supposed to. And I think it yeah. does connect. You know, I think yeah. it does because so many times we are being told by Srila Prabhupada what is going to happen if da 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 Or like, hey, this is what's happening to society. Like, wake up, come on, this and this. And I, in many ways, you know, maybe what I'm about to say right now may sound like too much, but whatever, I'm going to say it anyway. In many ways, like the chaos of the world right now, because it's very chaotic right now, you know, it's like no one knows what's happening, so much financial distress, so much death, like it's, it's really 
crazy. But there is a silver lining in that, like, I mean, I can say this about myself, that you, I was definitely holding on to the material world and still am. Just like, well, maybe this will work out. Like, just this little thing, you know, just, just this. Maybe it'll go back to normal, you know? And it's like, maybe this is Krishna being like, told you it was going to be chaos. Told you, you know? And so I'm reading this. Um, and, and at the same time, I think about, I've been thinking about, like, the welfare state a lot. I've been reading Malcolm X, and it's heartbreaking you know his his early childhood is heartbreaking and i've been thinking about like how there is a human desire that we do want you know we want to be happy and we want others to be happy as well mm. but there's the human desires for lust and greed and all these you know not so great things but also you know the nature of the soul is ananda and we also want others to experience that however we know from shastra that what we're experiencing in this material world is a perverted reflection of that so i might have this desire for joy for myself and i might even have a desire for other people to feel joy and safety but because i haven't turned to god because i haven't done the spiritual work my the the, the cleansing purifying of my heart that ain't gonna go well you know basically mm. and so you know this this quote i believe is from from 10th Canto Bhagavatam, this verse, but it comes in uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So this is 942 Adi Lila. And so the, the verse is, it is the duty of every living being to perform well. Yeah. Wealth, intelligence. Words. And I remember reading that verse and I was just, oh, okay, you know, like, yes. But in the purport, Sri Prabhupada is talking specifically about the difference between prayas and shreyas. And yes. The ultimately auspicious good, like the thing that is going to lead us to the ultimate good, which is turning back to Godhead, turning to Krishna, not something that's going to give us kind of like the immediate solution. And so I think that when the apotheosis of immediate solutions or, you know, immediate kind of influencers or immediate things happens, you know, we completely forget about what is the Shreyas. So Srila Prabhupada is writing, you know, he said Shreyas ultimately is the you know, the ultimate auspicious activity of turning back to God. And then he says, oh, this is it. So in the verse in Srimad Bhagavatam, it said that one should be interested in Shreyas. To achieve the ultimate goal of Shreyas or good fortune, one should engage everything, including his life, wealth, and words, not only for himself, but for others also. However, <laughs> unless one is interested in Shreyas in his own life, he cannot preach of Shreyas for the benefit of others. Mm. And I was just Okay, and then Srila Prabhupada goes on to say that human beings are becoming less like human beings and more like animals in their behavior. <laughs> but then I really like, he talks about kind of like human society and he talks about Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. So religion, economic development, sense gratification, and liberation. And he says that above all of this, you know, religion or our Dharma or, you know, our devotion to God should be paramount. But then this is the part that I really like. He says, he talks specifically about economy. And we've, we've talked so much about economic brands and this and buying things and the material. So he says, to be religious, one must abide by the orders of God. But unfortunately, people in this age have rejected religion and they are busy in economic development. We can say that that is very true. You know, we see it. Then he says, therefore, they will adopt any means to get money. Yes. <laughs> Called it. For economic development, one does not need to get money by hook or by crook. One needs only sufficient money to maintain his body and soul. And this is very true. You know, one lesson from the ashram for anyone that's ever lived. I saw Kaylee Kanano was there. Or anyone that's ever lived in an ashram. It's like, you do not need as much stuff and crap that you think you do. You know? Okay. However, because modern economic development is going on with no religious background, people have become lusty, greedy, and mad after money. They are simply developing the qualities of rajas and tamas, neglecting their other quality of nature, sattva, and the brahminical qualifications. Therefore, the entire society is in chaos. And I was just, when I read that last line, I was just like, yes, the entire society is in chaos and it's like the more that we realize that we have that moment of just like accepting that like yes we are in a chaotic moment and the reason is because of this it's not because of this movement it's not because of this politician it's not because of this it's not because of that sure those are things that are happening in our relative reality however at the end of the day i really like what Sri Prabhupada is saying that if I can't preach what the ultimate good is to people, which we see a lot of nowadays. This yes. is 
this is what I can't preach what the ultimate good is to people. First of all, if I don't have an understanding of the ultimate goodness, and if I'm not, pre if I'm not doing that in my own life, in my own yes. life, we always come back to here and chit chat about personal development. I, this connects to, well, Kaylee, if he's still on, I don't know, but he posted a question, how can influencers become leaders? So I think mo much of what you just spoke would be an answer to that question that, you know, first of all, understanding the gravity of what it means to be a leader. We know, having participated in the organization, that one of the biggest problems, <laughs> it seems, for organizations is defining roles. <laughs> no, too, no shit. Like, it's just been an observation of mine, you know. Um, like, what is a, like, what is the particular role? And, what is, and I, it's not just unique to Baptiste and I think. I've seen even with one of our devotees, he was working at another very high-end professional job in the city. But this was coming up, too, at his workplace, which I was astonished to see. Mm. Um, so knowing what a leader is would be really required. Mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> what is a leader? We don't have, that could be a whole other sort of discussion, which would probably be an important one. But yeah. um, one of the, the leaders of the, the old world, the old world that we hear about in the, the scriptures, the kings, the kshatriyas, they were also known as Naradeva, which meant God and human form. So it was understood that they were essentially the representative of God. So that means one has to know what God, who God is, what God wants, so to speak, for the world. Um, and then you have to represent, represent that to the world and ensure that people are on track in that way, which actually would this what I'm saying now would be kind of part of the discussion we had hoped to have today that we didn't, we're not going to get to today. But there was like kind of two questions you had told me to note. Uh, and one of them was who decides what harms others? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's, that's a, a modern sort of secular talking point that we all kind, we, we should all be allowed to pursue our lesser desires as long as it doesn't harm anyone. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that, and we should explore this, maybe tomorrow we can get into it more. But the, as long as it doesn't harm anyone, well, who, who gets to decide that? Because something may not harm immediately, pray us, but it harms in the long term, shrey us. Whereas um, something may appear to be harmful in the immediate, because often when you're pursuing shrey us, it requires great difficulty in the beginning, some sort of abnegation, some sort of sacrifice, some hardship is there. But in the long term, it offers good. Mm. So who gets to decide that? You know, now, of course, if you ask the old world, it was God and, and the sacred text, which was guiding humanity. Mm. Um, that was decided. And the, the leader had to represent that or make sure that was represented to the whole population. Um, so unfortunately, because humans have been turned into brands. Yeah. And because of too much desire, too much less desire. And the sort of as we we've talked about this a lot here in chit chat but it it never gets old the the tendency to embrace our own self-degradation mm. uh, there's because like i think when i brought this up i gave the um, example of entering into like a like a sort of harmful sexual relation mm. you know where you are because you're lusty oh yeah I, I remember i gave the dating app as an example which i thought was a really good example we're not going to talk about the different dating apps out there, but there's a few that are like really dark and I've never been on them because I'm a innocent choir boy type. But um, a lot of my friends have been on there and we were, we were talking about how when you, you enter into like a, a dating app because you're, let's say you're lusty, you know, you're feeling lusty and that's understandable. So you enter into that, but in doing so, you also agree to your own self-degradation because you're also going to be looked at as just an object worthy of being swiped or not, mm. you know, for someone else's senses. Mm. So in trying to enjoy, you also agree to your own self-degradation. Similarly, in the modern world of influencers mm -hmm. who have been apotheosized and these very, as a brand, then um, such a person, an influencer, 
is agreeing to their own self-degradation by mm. agreeing to become a brand. Mm. Um, and of course, um, someone said the leading bow. <laughs> leading <laughs> now. <laughs> I wasn't trying to call you it out, but I was just, uh, yeah, but <laughs> the ten, yeah, so I'm entering to that relationship and agreeing to my own self-degradation by agreeing to be looked at as a brand mm. that's supposedly putting out quote-unquote meaningful content like when i look at instagram for example ain't shit on there that's meaningful for the uh, like of the vast majority of people outside from like our devotional community or people who are like intentionally using their social media for like something that's intentionally spiritual mm. um there's nothing meaningful about it it's like people selling their bodies for for likes for the, for their consumers their acolytes mm. those who are enabling their own self-degradation so as long as people are interested in that, how can they be leaders? Yes. A leader cannot be preaching to everyone else that you be the best version of yourself while simultaneously agreeing to his own degradation mm. by being used as a brand. People yeah. are sponsoring him, not as a person, but as a brand that, mm. can, that is similar to the brand that they may be offering. Okay, mm. so we'll promote you. So how, how are you supposed to preach in a, a way that's meaningful, in a way that's in line with being a leader when you're, when the, uh, yeah, when you're sabotaging your own ability to be a leader by agreeing to this sort of programming? Mm. Um, it's actually, I, I'm going to have to rewatch this chit chat because this is um, some nice points coming out. I need to, I need to take some notes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you get an inspiration and it comes out, you know, you're like, wow, I never really consciously thought about that before. <laughs> uh, I like I like what Dharma Shakti said. She said, hashtag keep yoga spiritual. And right. I, I think it, we can say, you know, keep yoga spiritual and just like try to spiritualize your life, you know, like your right. life. And so yoga is meant to be a practice that we are constantly practicing. Like our bhakti yoga, our bhajan is something that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be constantly remembering Krishna's name and constantly hearing and constantly doing it like this. And we've spoken about this on Chit Chat a lot as well in regards to how society very much um, profits off of the compartmentalization of our life. And so if our spiritual life becomes compartmentalized, you know, I do my japa for this two hours and maybe I'll read a little something and then poop, that's done. Spiritual life is done. And then I go act in this way or whatever spiritual following, you know, like then I'm not really, I'm not really, I mean, it's, it's, there's room for improvement. Let's put it that way. And, and I'm not saying that I'm like, I'll, I'm speaking about my own example, me. <laughs> me. And it's like, when you know when there's so much room for improvement how is it that yeah how we how is it that i can become an influencer so easily you know like you can just poof just like that i'm seeing a lot of oh kind I, I like dharma shakti she's saying that the greatest thing we can do is to have influential dialogue mm. and that reminded me of a very beautiful verse from the fourth canto chapter 22 uh, I think it's verse number 19. Oh, it is. It says, um, very nice verse here. When there's a congregation of devotees, their discussions, questions, and answers becomes conclusive to both the speaker and the audience. Mm. Thus, such a meeting is beneficial for everyone's real happiness. Mm. And um, yeah, if you study the Bhagavatam, they're just basically discussions between like, two at least two enlightened devotees if not more and then a lot of people just listening to them talk and getting the the joy of that conversation which yeah. is kind of like the bhakti way just basically hearing devotees share their realization so i really resonated with that and um yeah this chit chat has given me a lot of food for thought myself you know it's interesting because i i heard that amongst the young kids now one of the maybe you were telling me or someone else but one of the top desires, you know, when we were growing up, it was like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor so I can help people. I want to be Superman. You know, it was like kind of like that. Now, one of the top desires for children for what they want to be when they grow up is an influencer. Mm. 
Um, our, our culture has become so brand oriented yeah. that everyone is ready to embrace becoming a brand, yes. you know, for a little bit of popularity and so on. And I think this sort of thing also could use more discussion. But it also is making me think about how, because, you know, we're on social media, too. And although I don't think of myself as trying to become, like, popular or... But I do want to put, like, meaningful content out there if I'm going to be on social media. And I've had conversations with persons about, like, propping it up, becoming, like, a business. And and um, this conversation is just making me, like, I need to sit with this because at yeah. first I was, like... At first, I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's just the way you do it. But now that I've had this conversation, I'm sitting with it more. I'm just like, I don't know now. Like, I'm like, I'm conflicted, I guess. And because I just, I guess it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I'm also conflicted because I, I, you know, on social media, like recently someone reached out to me to like promote their product or some crap, like become a product brand ambassador or something like that and I, I like at first i was like yeah whatever you know they'll give me free stuff and i'll be like hey use it it's great right, right, right. and then i had this like gut feeling of just like seems wrong like something seems off about this like i don't know if i want to do this and i just like was like no i'm not gonna do it but i think that it's really I, personally i believe there has to be another way you know i do think that there has to be another way because I do think that there, it is a very slippery slope. And, you know, I think that, I think that chit chat's a great forum because it's like, we're just, we're just speaking our mind. We're just chatting. We're hearing what people are having to say like this. And I think that I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong. Okay. This, this is probably another chit chat to have. There's so many different chit chats that we can go and like, all right, 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 right. But I don't necessarily think that, you know, maybe influence isn't the right word. Like influencers, it's almost like, sounds weird now. But I think that there's nothing wrong when I meet someone or I look up to someone or I have a role model in my life. And I'm just like, wow, like that person really has their chip together. And I want to, you know, be more like them. And, and we see it, you know, like we've seen it we've seen it before i i've you know you spend a lot of time with person. you start talking like that person you start doing things like that person like this and that's wonderful you know actually when you see someone you know i'm speaking about like more in a devotional setting but also in a non-devotional setting you know like someone who's a role model someone who's really like worked on themselves worked on their life and i want to be influenced by them in a good right way, you know? right and that's very rare and you know like it's super rare now is how i i think there's also a personal responsibility i guess is what i'm saying like who am i letting myself be influenced by yes yes like these are these are big conversations these are looking, dharma shakti and pb check in a similar kind of echoing influence mm -hmm. is a tool it's how we use it yeah and pb and and sham is saying doesn't intention make a difference though pb chat is saying Prabhupada said technology should be embraced to spread the knowledge of Christian. Don't be conflicted. Yeah. That's, that's not the conflicting part. That's not the, the conflicting part. Yeah. The, the conflicting part is the slippery slope that is yeah. the tool that we're using. For example, phones are just a tool. We can use it for Christian consciousness, which we know and we try our level best. But let's be real. How many of us, it's not like we're only using it for that purpose we fall into other uh, habits of inferiority to our true potential just because of a phone. Like how many other apps do I have open right now? <laughs> you know? And that's, I'm not saying that as a judgment call, cause I got the same issue. I'm saying it more as like, you know, I think about the quality of my life before I had a phone mm. and believe it or not, I've I mentioned this a few times on chit chat. I didn't really have a smartphone. So I moved to New York a few years ago. Um, I got one because, you know, people need to get in contact with me or whatever. So I finally got one. And I know there's a marked difference between my life then and my life now. Yeah. So and that means that, of course, that speaks to my human frailty and how I need to develop self-control, et cetera, et cetera. But that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. When it comes to, like, becoming a brand or an influencer or whatever it is, you may go in there with the right intentions and pure motivations for doing the work of God consciousness and so on. But it's the nature of the thing that you're dealing with. And you have to make sure that you're qualified to deal with the nature of that thing. Yeah. Otherwise, it has its own 
energy, like mm -hmm. money. Money is a tool. It's not bad or good necessarily inherently, but somehow money with the human combined with human frailty gives a really, really bad result. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure if you're going to deal with that particular tool or energy that you are qualified to do so skillfully mm -hmm. so that you're not degraded. Anyway, so this is another kind of big conversation. It's, um, and just, it's always interesting. Just to kind of put a, a pin on that, I really like what Sanjeevani Rada said, but I'm going to take out, like, she says, if you're rooted in truth, then you can influence all you want, right? And I yeah. think that's what we're saying. It's like, to the degree that you are rooted in truth, <laughs> right. That's how much you should be able to influence. How many of us can say, I'm 100 I'm rooted. I'm rooted in truth all the time, forever. It's like, oh. my, my, mine is like, oh, are you rooted? You're rooted. Okay, let me, let me just go. <laughs> my, my is like drinking tea by herself. And then she hears you be like, I'm rooted in truth. And she's like, oh. Got a, job. Got a new case to work on. <laughs> oh my god! So I mean, that's the slippery slope we're talking about, people. It's not technology. Right. It's not the social media. It's like it's a very slippery slope to to be authentic, rooted in truth, have good intentions, and then allow yourself to be to, to a product that is consumed to lose my intention, to lose my authenticity, to right. lose my practice, to lose my self respect, to you know eventually move into degrading practices or behaviors because that's the way it goes when you allow yourself right. to a product be sold you know etc so yeah of course intention but again to the to the degree that i'm rooted in truth that's how much i should be able to influence and we should be very honest with ourselves about how much we're rooted in truth <laughs> <laughs> and on a very positive note let's put a pause there let's put a pause <laughs> this has been yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Really and, felt today's chit chat. Yeah. And thank you so much for all your participation, Shyam and Sanjeevani Rada, Dharma Shakti. Thank you for all your wonderful points. And um, PB Chat, thank you for all your wonderful comments as always. We always love to make this as interactive as we can. So, Jaya, maybe we should speak about doing another QA because maybe we said we wanted to. Do oh, that, like, yeah, totally. Totally. That. Um, and yeah, we'll see you all tomorrow at 6 p.m. for Chicha. Thank y'all. Thank you. Hi, hi, bull.